0: Hello, and welcome to Spring Office Hours, episode number 53, Structuring Your Spring Boot Applications. My name is Dan Vega, Spring Developer Advocate at VMware. Today, I am joined by a special guest. Deshawn is out in Singapore for VMware Singapore. So I am joined by a good good friend of mine, uh, Ted Young, also known as Jitter Ted. Ted, how are you doing, my
1: friend? I'm doing great. This is one of my favorite topics. As you know, anything that that involves, anything close to testing is is always uh, uh, something I, I love. You can't shut me up about.
0: Yeah, so I had a lot of conversations about kind of structuring your code. Why would you do certain things? How can we test it? And you were the first person I thought of. I said, we have to. I have to talk to Ted. And I was telling you before the show, and I want to tell everybody else, I was watching some of your content. And I was just like, oh, I'm what a geek I am, because I could just sit here and listen to you or like train of thought of the way you're going through, like trying to solve a problem. Um, I could go through that all day. So for those of us who there might be a couple people out there, I know it's probably a small myor- minority, but for those who don't know Ted, Jitter Ted, uh, can you give us an intro like who are you? What are you up to? What are you doing these days? Um, let, let the people know who you are.
1: Yeah. Um... So, yeah, so I'm known as Jitter Ted on on pretty much all the social media. Um, That name comes from uh, the name of uh, Guinea Pig. They used to to do this thing that we call them Jitter Pig. So Jitter Ted sounded like a good thing. And also I drink a lot of coffee. So so there you go for that. (laughs) Uh, What I'm doing, what I'm up to is, as always, for me, testability is paramount. And uh, so I've done a lot of talking about... Hexagonal architecture. Um, one of the first presentations I did was was gosh 20 2018. Um, and really for me it, it it's not like I said, I need an architecture. Let me go find one. Oh, that one looks good. It's for me, it's always about I need to test my code. How can I test my code? And how do we separate things to 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 test things? And so um, this is what I do. I, I, basically either do training. And so I teach people not just hexagonal, not just architecture, but like, how do we test our code? And, and more importantly, these days, or actually forever, um, our code isn't testable. How do we refactor to get to, to testable code? So I do a lot of refactoring. In fact, I've got a whole uh, refactoring series of videos coming, uh, coming up that I'm working on. And so I, I, you know, I also, as you were mentioning, I stream and and I do a variety of things, but I'm always following my process of test-driven development, uh, whatever architecture makes makes that easy. Um, and yeah, that's and and I help teams do that as well. Uh, a lot of times we do it together in in a mob programming ensemble environment, which I find is the most fun way and the best way to learn.
0: Yeah, absolutely, cool. So. Um, we're going to get into a lot of things today. Uh, I just want to kind of mention for everyone out there, this is our live stream spring off stars. We do it every Tuesday, usually every Tuesday, three thirty Eastern time. We are uh, in a live stream right now, but we also turn this into a podcast. If you are listening to this at a later date, that's great. Uh, But if you ever want to catch us live, head over to springofficehours.io. You can see our upcoming shows and you can see the archives if you want to kind of dig through those. But we are live here and I want to go ahead and respond. We have a bunch of people in the chat today. Wow, really big turnout. It must have been for our great guest, Ted. (laughs) Really excited to see everyone here. (laughs) Uh, We got our friend uh, Simon. Hello, Simon. How are you? Uh, Max says hello. Uh, Max had an interesting point here. Curious to learn mm. about Spring Modulith project. Mm. Max, uh, I got some good news for you. We are going to continue this train of talking to the experts about architecture, and we're going to talk to Oliver soon. So probably awesome. in the next few weeks, Thanks. we'll have an episode with Oliver to talk about Spring Modulith. I didn't want to just get to that yet because I feel like this is an evolution of the things mm-hmm. that we're kind of talking about. So yeah. we're going to get into some basics today. We're going to get into like package by layer, package by feature. We'll talk about hexagonal and I think kind of spring Module is like that next mm-hmm. step of, of yeah. the evolution. So there's that max. Um, Let me see here. Uh, Simon says, it's quite interesting and useful, Max. I've been using it for a couple months now. If you've used ArchUnit or Akin before. I don't think I've ever heard of Akin. Do you, have you? Uh,
1: I know ArchUnit, I'm not sure what he means. Does he mean likes or something like it?
0: Oh, or Akin before. (laughs) Gotcha, gotcha. I thought that was a project.
1: That was Um, like a good project.
0: Cool, Thomas, our good friend Thomas is here. Hello, everyone. Um, oh my gosh! there's just so many. Love it, love it. All right, cool. So if you are in the live chat and you have questions, please go ahead and drop those in. Uh, if we don't get to them right away, we'll go ahead and star them, and we'll see if we can't get back to them. Um, I do want to mention one thing before we get going here. I'm going to show my screen. If you have not heard, we have a Spring One virtual tour coming up. Uh, this is the so if you head over to springonetour.io. Um, There's a kind of intro about this. Uh, If you weren't able to be in person for the spring one in Vegas in August, uh, this is our virtual tour, bringing a lot of that same content, uh, but some new content as well. Uh, You can go ahead and register for this for free. It's going to be on October 17th uh, from 9 a.m. to 3 p.m. And again, this is virtual and the schedule is already up. So you can go ahead and click on the schedule and take a look at everything that's going on. There's a beginner friendly track and intermediate and a platform and stacks. And so I'll be doing a talk on GraphQL there. I'm also, I'm seeing a particular track. So really looking forward to this day uh, coming up pretty quickly here. So if you have not registered- October is not
1: that far away.
0: (laughs) It's pretty crazy, right? Like, uh, I just, I, I, I I'm a summer person. I like warm weather. I I'm okay with fall, but I just know what it means. I you I, I know you, you live in the bay, right? Yeah. So yeah. I, I used to live in the bay for a couple of years and you guys just don't understand because I, I it it gets really cold here, so yeah. um so I know what's coming. I don't mind right. fall, but I know what's coming is, is what bothers me. Um so yeah, not looking forward to that, but uh, yeah, I can't believe it's October already. Yeah. Oh, well, it almost is. Um, okay, so that is the um, Spring One tour. Um, what we're going to talk about today is is kind of structuring your code in your Spring Boot application. So I did a video on this last week, and we'll kind of recap some of this, and and also you know a, a lot of a lot of the content I've been creating lately, Ted, I've, I've just thrown like tweets out like throwing spaghetti at a wall. And like, who wants to talk about what? And this one like really stuck that yeah. a lot of people had yeah. a lot of like really great opinions on this. And so I said, great, this is a good opportunity. This is something I wanted, have wanted to do for a while. Let's dive into this. And so the the premise here is you, you have an idea for an app, you go over to start.spring.io, you fill in all the metadata, you pick your dependencies based on what you're gonna build. You open it up in our favorite IDE, which is IntelliJ. Of course. And then what do I do next? Like, I I don't know where to start. And I think the idea is there are some best practices out there. Spring Boot is very opinionated, but it doesn't care where you put code. You can kind of split your code up however you want. Mm -hmm. And as we were talking about before the show, that could be a good thing or that could be a bad thing yeah i happen to like frameworks that kind of tell me like do this um but i also like the power of if i don't want to conform to like what everybody else is doing i want to be able to like have my you know spread my creative wings and and put stuff where i want to so i like it it's the kind of the best of both worlds
1: yeah and i think it's especially um you know one of the things i do is educate people and uh the idea of, look, let's start with a structure because it's gonna help us do some other things. And then once you kind of learn your way around and, and start hitting up against maybe, oh, this structure isn't working for me or it's too confining, or I need to sort of break some rules. Uh, I think it's helpful to, to have some structure to start. And I actually wish like Spring Boot, you know, the start starter would actually introduce some kind of, here's a starter structure you. may Maybe it works for you. Maybe it doesn't. Maybe it could even say for this type of app versus this type of app, this is the structure. Um, but I think opinionated is, is fine as long as people realize that it's not the only way to do things. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And I think, you know, I mentioned that right, right away in the video that was like, all right, we're going to go over some things here, but like no matter wh- which side of the street you lie on, there's not a wrong answer. There are ways, there are there are pros and cons to doing it certain ways, and I know you definitely like lean one way because yeah. of some of the pros that you know definitely come into play when when you're testing. I know not everybody writes tests, so maybe they don't see some of those pros right away. Right, right. But no matter where you put your code, there is no wrong answer. Now, you will run into a bunch of problems later if you don't find some way of structuring your code.
1: Yeah.
0: Um and and yeah, and I mean, you could even write all. Of, you could literally write all of your code in one file if you wanted to, and and we know you that's could. not maintainable. But you could. Um,
1: so for for certain certain like like uh, I know it's not Java and Spring, but HTMX is all one file. So HTMX yeah. is this popular sort of uh, JavaScript library that makes web UIs easy. That's all right. one file. But they, you know, there there's there's always a, right. The rules are made to be broken, right? So rules are good because they provide some guidance. So you can stop thinking about that, and you can start thinking about other things. Mm-hmm. Um, and getting hung up on sort of that that structure can can be sort of like I, I've been, you know, I've I'm sure we've all had arguments of like, where do we put these files? And it's like, look, let's just try this. Let's do this. Yes. Let's use this structure. Let's focus on the business, right? Yeah. We're 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 hopefully getting paid to do something. What are we getting paid to do? Let's solve right. that that problem. And right. then we can discuss, like you said, it's like, well, what's not working for us and what, what, but really, I think one of the things that, that I think it's really important to start out with is what are we trying to do? Like, right. why, why package it all? As you said, like, we could put it all on one file. Okay. That makes it really hard to work with. It. it makes it hard for multiple people to work with it. And so yep. you start getting into some of the less technical issues and you really get into the, the social aspects of, of your team and your organization.
0: Mm-hmm and i think um i think you know organizing your code is a lot like writing code inside of one file i always tell people like my this the code i start with is never as good as the code i end up with i'm always like how do i get this to work and so i might, might, might put a bunch of gibberish on screen and it works and it's like okay let me step back now i know this is probably not the best way to write it let me kind of refactor it and and go from there and that could be the same for structuring your code you could put exactly. a whole bunch of folders in there and yeah. throw a bunch of files yeah. in different folders and then step back and go that ah, we're going to have some problems writing tasks or right. the next person who comes along and takes a look at this code is is not going to have any clue of what i'm doing here
1: <laughs> yeah and, and which and you and you use the, the magic word refactoring and i think that right. refactoring if you look at what you know, Martin Fowler popularized it back in the late 90s. And one of the things that refactoring is is all about is is improving the design of stuff that works, right? It works, but it's not amenable to change. It's it's maybe a little hard to understand. Uh, maybe it's maybe it is hard to test. And so refactoring is the way to to say, now that it's done, in 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 the sense that I can it's providing value to someone. Now let's go refactor it in a way that makes it easier for us to provide continual value over time because software is never done um until it's deleted as as, and then then it's it's done
0: (laughs) always in beta
1: (laughs) yeah i mean it is right i mean you know because the world is moving what people want is moving and what you know the features we want to add but also things we want to fix and and new platforms that we have to run on and deploy to and different ways of distributing the, right. the application all that is is changing fast enough that we're always having to sort of do these kinds of things to to keep up and sometimes it's providing new features and sometimes like uh-oh uh, this platform is is you know they deleted a service and we're not going to be able to use it anymore and now we're going to have to switch to something else
0: right right yeah, I'm seeing a lot of that these days too with uh, we talk to a lot of customers who are updating to like upgrading to Spring Boot 3 and Java 17 and then a lot of the problems that I see customers having are like they use like this third-party library or this internal right. service that they wrote that Java doesn't support Java 17 and so right. now right. you're in that same same kind yeah. of problem like how do we fix this? Like do we write our own or do we find something right. that works or right. yeah, so I see that a lot. Um, okay. So what I want to do, I'm going to start, we're going to kind of go through an evolution here, a little bit of a story. Um, I'm going to throw on screen the, I I, I threw this out last week and I just want to talk through it cause there, and I'm going to, I'm going to get, I'll get to some of the comments in here, but I basically started with working on a tutorial for structuring your struct structuring your code in your Spring Boot project, which side are you on? Because while I think, for most of us, like this is our starting point. Like we gotta like organize our code somehow. So we create these packages and we're like, okay, I'm I'm just gonna create some kind of organization and put the code there, and this works. And then for me, for me, my evolution was I always kind of put things in package by layer. This is, you know, for those of you at home, we're looking at a diagram of, of package by layer versus package by feature. Package by layer is, hey, I have different packages like domain, controller, service, repository, et cetera. And this is where I always put my code because, you know, I come from like the web world and like this is how I would structure my projects in the web world or the Ruby on Rails, the Groovy on Grails did this. I think for me, that's a lot of it too because I came from a world where this was like, convention like this mm-hmm. it created the packages right. for me it put the code in there they for
1: gave me you that they gave you that structure yeah they
0: gave me that starting structure right and like i told you like i like that like that's okay you tell me that's where i should put stuff that's where i'm gonna put stuff and so this is this translated over to the spring world for me and i yeah i kind of did this blindly but it also like worked i didn't run into a lot of issues until i got into like You know bigger applications if you will and then Mm -hmm. again for the demos that i write for tutorials and stuff like i don't think it really matters but again you will start somewhere and then start to find some problems later on and so then i talked about package by feature as well so this is like hey if i'm building this shopping cart system Mm -hmm. i may have a package for product i may have a package for customer order cart and so on And so this is kind of the starting point um what are your thoughts on package by layer package by feature
1: so um i want to say one thing about package by layer because the the layers that you have domain controller uh, service repository configuration um are pretty similar to sort of what you know what the books that you might read on architecture and things like that talk about to me i always think about it there's there's really sort of two main things. There is code that has to do with the problem we're trying to solve, which is the domain and maybe service and coordinating with the external thing. Basically, everything that's not I.O., everything that's Mm -hmm. not touching hardware. So there's that. And then there's everything else that's basically touching I.O. and hardware and, and external things. And I always split it down those lines mainly because whenever I've worked with systems that mix those two together, this idea of mixing I.O. in with my business rules and processes and what I'm trying to solve, it always yeah. makes testing really hard. So for me, that's my primary way of if I'm if I can split it, you know, split into two pieces, that's how I split it. And then it's a mm-hmm. matter of refining, okay, what's the domain, um, what's sort of the the inside as as hexagonal looks at it, what's the inside yeah. part? Um, and then what's the outside part? And then you can basically say, well, the outside part there's there's actually Two ways we interact with the world we receive stuff and 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 we're asked to do things That's sort of incoming things and then we let other systems know or or store information and so you can sort of think about it as as there being inputs and outputs um yeah. and then there's in the middle there's sort of the the processing and to me that's sort of a, a nice minimum way of of doing it because of of, of some structure uh One of the problems I see with with package by layer is because there's sort of not enough thought into why are we packaging by layer. One of the things, so I, I, in sort of preparing for this, I I basically looked at, gosh, must have been 15, 20 repositories of Spring Boot apps on GitHub. Um, And almost every single one had controllers in its own package, which is fine, except then they had DTOs in a separate package and then exceptions in its own package and then models or entities or or both in their own packages and yeah. to me that's no longer packaging by layer that's just packaging by the classes and i think but, that is not understanding what the purpose of packaging is it's supposed to right if we look back at like what is the purpose why are we doing this why do we package anything right why do we why do we put anything into classes like you said before like one put it into one big class and i can find yeah, everything right and the reason why is we, you know, and this goes back to decomposing systems that uh, have been talked about for fifty years. Is our brains can't work that way, and we also can't work in groups. But even just if we're one of us, we can't we can't comprehend five thousand lines of detail. So we break things down into abstractions, mm-hmm. and so all this stuff is is about grouping things together in in a way that we can say okay this is dealing with persisting stuff in a database i don't want to think about the details because i'm not focused on that right now i'm focused on how do i implement this this feature of adding a product to a cart and calculating shipping right and so when we start with what is the purpose of it then we can say okay how does a language like java support that right packaging and namespaces allows us to to then have another level of of abstraction, say, okay, I don't need to know the details of JSON and HTTP and so on. I just know some request is going to come in, mm-hmm. like and and so we we what we're trying to do is is basically put stuff, put all that detail behind behind a, a little sign that says, hey, this is this is I/O, or hey, this is this is how we store stuff in a database, right? And yeah, then it, yeah.
0: Oh no, no, go ahead. Go ahead.
1: And so so um package by layer then then says, you know, we're saying that that this kind of stuff is different from this kind of stuff. Um and then the other aspect is the social sort of uh, how do we find stuff? Right. So the right. The, the op the, the other part of the problem is like <clears throat> I need to work on feature feature of, you know, uh placing the order. Where do I go? Where do I look for stuff?
0: Right. And,
1: and, and that's a problem because you you, you can't optimize for both right and i think that's that's why there's so much sort of um contention and interest in this kind of thing is because everybody it's it's like this pendulum okay we swing to package by layer because of certain positives that that supports but then we can't right. find everything having to do with order so let's swing back the other way right and then well now we've got stuff mixed up and now we can't test things correctly because we've got our io in our you know in, right. in our domain you know, our peanut butter and, and our chocolate and vice versa and and so we can't you know and so there's i there's there's no good answer that solves both in my experience right. you can package and, by component but
0: yeah and that and that's why a lot of the comments if you go through um and i'll i'll try to get the links to i did this on twitter and linkedin i posted this got a ton of comments and there was no like it wasn't in favor of one yeah. it was very much split down the middle like this is why I use package by layer. This is why I use package by feature. I even got a bunch of I use both, and I'm like, all right, well, we're gonna argue about that one because I don't, I don't, I don't know why in a scenario where I would do that, but we'll, we'll get to that. So, uh, a couple of things while you were talking, I, I was just thinking of, and I wonder, you know, you know, when you when you have a strong argument for package by layer or package by feature, I wonder how much testing comes into play because. Um, I say this, I I often find issues in my code when I start to write tests for them. When I start to write tests, now I'm like, okay, there's too much going on in this one thing. Uh, it's no longer you know single responsibility of this thing to do that one thing. Tests allow me to find issues in my code. So the more tests I write, I think the better code I end up writing. I don't write them enough, but when I do, I realize that I'm doing the wrong thing here. And so for me, one of the things you know with package by layer that that I used forever in Spring, um, tests were starting to show me that, hey, um, you know I have uh, you know in the package by layer scenario, and we get into like things like uh, cohesion and coupling. Mm-hmm. I have some high coupling here between these package by layers, and I have some mm-hmm. low cohesion here, and so you start to draw the diagrams of like all the things that touch each other and have to call each other. Now I'm running into some issues. So I think testing and just kind of stepping back and looking at some software design principles really kind of made me go, okay, there are some issues with package by layer. Let me check out package by feature.
1: Yeah, and so, so you know, like like I said before, for me, testing is paramount, and so since I do a lot of test-driven development, it helps mm-hmm. highlight those issues right up front, like, yeah. oh, I can't test this because I need a database, and as wonderful as our current environment of test containers and databases is, which it is so wonderful, um, for me, it's still not fast enough and not reliable enough to, to use as part of my tight TDD cycle, where I expect my tests to run in less than a second or two. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so, we need some way to say, "Look, I'm not testing database storage. I'm testing this flow of I'm adding an item to the to the cart, and it needs to calculate shipping costs and tax."
0: What are the inputs and outputs? Is and so,
1: say. what are the and so where does it get the taxes? Well, it has to look it up somewhere. Well, mm-hmm. I don't need it to go out to some third-party service right now because I'm not testing that connection. I'm testing: do given this information and this other information, do I calculate things correctly and provide mm-hmm. this this information? And so, when we're thinking about those those flows and those processes and how to test them, um, what we're con- what I'm concerned about when I'm creating that is is are the calculations right? Because boy, in if you've ever worked in some of these things especially sales tax where if it's heated up it's one tax if it's not heated up it's another tax and what it is and where it's sold and and all these kinds of things uh it's pretty insane um you want to get that right and you want to have lots of good tests and, uh, around that and so that will show you okay it would help if i had a separation between my sort of application and domain layer and the third-party services that are providing some of this information. Yep. And uh, that shows you I need a boundary there so that I can say and basically replace, whether it's with Makito, which isn't my preference or something that I write, <laughs> um, that it provides something where it's a known value so I can test it and I'm not relying on anything external, any any I.O. And so that provides one 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 guidance to, to separation. Yep. Um, but if you don't then have separation between like, user customer, let's say customer management, there's a whole bunch of stuff there that doesn't really have anything to do with customers placing order, right? And now you've got, well, do you put all that code still in the domain layer? No, you, mm. you subdivide things. And this is where right. I think this idea of sort of modular monoliths of of saying, okay, for each, and so here's where you kind of can do both, right? You, you package by feature, but inside the feature you now package by layer.
0: Right, right.
1: Um, so, and sometimes this is referred to as vertical slice architecture, and there's, there's some, you know, loose definitions of that, um, but that's kind of the idea is, is you separate things, or I separate things based on testability, but also, you know, then we look at that sort of cohesiveness and, and how it fits into right. the features
0: yeah, and I, I mentioned some pros and cons of each. and and a couple of things that really stuck out for me was, um, you know when we when we start to package by feature, now we get into like the normal rules of Java, because in package by layer, every class that I create is a public class. And everything that I need to expose is now public. When I get into package by feature, it's like, okay everything inside a product maybe doesn't need to be public. It can be its default package private and only things within this package can access it. And I think that before we get into like the web world of building job applications, that's how we write code, right? We don't just make everything public and everything talks to each
1: other, right? Yeah, I, I, I hope not. I mean, you know, back in <laughs> in the old days that I, I certainly was guilty yeah. of, of doing that. Um, but I mean, right. even in package by layer, there's, there's stuff I'm gonna have, for example, in my, you know, uh, you haven't called it out in your package by layer, but what I would call sort of the the inputs into the system, maybe it's a UI. Yeah. I know in chat, they were talking about UI. Um, yeah. There's stuff in that UI section, maybe it's under controller, like the DTOs, like those don't need to be public. Uh, outside the controller, you know, that, that layer, who cares? Like those DTOs are specific for that thing. They're contained in there and they should be, they should be packaged private. Um, right. And so there. So again, the idea of package private is hide the stuff that nobody cares about from the outside. Yep. Um, and so, you know, the domain c- could care less about anything else. Fact, the way I look, the way I look at it is the domain is the center and it has, it cares not. It is the center of its own world and and it doesn't talk to anybody. It It's just right. fed information and says, do this or calculate this.
0: Yep. Um, speaking of the comments, I want to get back to, we have a whole bunch of comments in here and I just want to make sure we're answering some of these questions, really wish there were some spring folks at DevOps Morocco next month. There is going to be some spring folks there. I unfortunately will not be there, but, um, I hope I can make it out there one day regarding package by feature. Are there guidelines or tips with coming up for feature names and how granular a feature should be? So this is kind of like the how big should a microservice be right, right? like right, it should be right. as big as it needs to be. Yeah. And I think this always comes back to refactoring, right? I you mentioned an example before like I might throw everything that has to do with a product in a in a product package. Yeah. But then come to realize later that this package is out of it's out of control right now. Like I need to find a way to kind of refactor mm-hmm. this into different things. So um, yeah, and, and
1: I think this is where um, domain-driven design yeah. is so valuable. Like, mm-hmm. I, I think, to, to me, hexagonal architecture plus domain-driven design um, is, is is a wonderful combination because it gives you uh, a lot of guidance on how big is this thing? Mm-hmm. What, you know, and again, it comes back to, it's not a code size thing, although there are some factors there. But yeah. again, it's, it's, it's the the team thing. Um, when, when your things get too, big. I mean, this was the problem, like I was there in 2011 at, at the info, uh, InfoQ's QCon SF conference where James Lewis introduced a workshop on microservices, 2011. And since then, what, what gets me is it's been so misunderstood as about scalability. Right. And, and that, and it, it, its main purpose was to solve the problem of we have 20 engineers they can't all work in the same package. They can't all work in, in a code base where they're constantly stepping on each other's toes. Right. And so microservices was a way, let's divide up the code in, in a, a way that pays attention to domain-driven design, what, what's called yeah. bounded context, right. to, to find that, that again, that boundary. So we can say, you four people go and work on this and you can make progress without getting stuck behind waiting on somebody else. Right. And that is... Is so valuable in and of itself, um, and that's what that's what we want. We want to find what are those boundaries right. where we're starting to to sort of bump bump heads, and we want to figure right. out how do we, you know. And you're always giving up something, right? Whenever you you know, so you may spread stuff out of over multiple uh, repositories, and it's like, oh, we have to change something. Well, now right. instead of just hitting one button to refactor everything, now you've got a, a, a slower process, and so there's that that trade off
0: yeah and you mentioned microservices i mean packaged by feature if i start to have this product package and this thing explodes product is a terrible example because this is not something i would split into its own service but like well maybe it, might a the, it might be the car product
1: I mean, it might be the product inventory right i mean there's a whole right. lot of of, of right putting products into your catalog so catalog, right so
0: right. they're there when we when we kind of package our applications this way now i can look at that and go okay This, everything in this particular package I have can be split out into a new service. That's really hard to do in package by layer. You got to kind of pull stuff from everywhere. Right. and right. Wrangle things together and then you have tests and different packages, like it's hard to kind of pull that out in, into another service.
1: So however, it does not have to necessarily be pulled out into a microservice. And this this True. is what the modulus, the modular yes, monolith exactly. supports yes. is, is if it's there's a clear package separation between your huge catalog management. I worked for eBay way back when and catalog was an entire huge team, um, because there's a lot there, but it, it's you're doing stuff, you're adding products, you're updating products, you're removing products. Right. um all that work is done separate from it's related to right all these things are, are related to customers buying products but they they are two different they really are two different things um, they are two different bounded contexts as domain-driven design would look at it and so you want to have that separation uh and the way i'd start out is se- put them in separate packages that yeah. and maybe even separate jar artifacts still under the same same code base because what you get is the ability to do that refactoring, to right. do that refactoring of, hey, we're changing the, the quote internal API, right? The the public methods that we're providing on the public classes in this thing, yeah. for accessing products from from the catalog, um, we want to change it, and we can do that and run tests and do the refactoring, do the automated refactorings to get that done. As opposed to in a microservice, now you've got to coordinate deployments and, and changes and backwards compatibility. And so you can yep. do it, but it's harder. And so I yep. always say like, start with a, with the packaging when these things get large enough, start yep. with re- using packages to provide that separation.
0: I love it. Cool, I hope that um, answered your question. Um, hey, I'm just starting out uh, with Java, which, uh, which version should I start off with? 21 if you're 21. just starting out. Grab it, uh, it's good stuff. Uh, by feature seems better since a product can have another package of other object. All right. Um, we're currently look where to put our front end code in the feature package source main Java feature UI, or split between UI and backend. Um,
1: yeah. So I I think tough. <laughs> I think it's you know it's a it, there's no. Right answer because it depends, right. and I think it depends on the, the complexity. If you have a very small application, right. and there's not much in product, and there's not much in customer, and there's not much in order, right? They're they're relatively small. You might just package by layer, um, but if they're large enough, then you want to say, well, is this UI specific to the product catalog work, adding and updating those products, and, and yep. maybe integrating with with other services. Um, or is it having to do with the customer facing UI of placing an order? Or does it have to do with the warehouse UI for looking at an order so they can package it? Um, so in that case, I, the UIs are likely going to be pretty custom to the feature that they are. And so I would I would say put them under the feature. Um, if you have some administrative kind of UI that maybe is used by all of them, um, maybe put it somewhere else. Uh, <clears throat> what the from a hexagonal point of view or just from a from a you know ui being or one way of of inputs um they tend to not have nobody depends on those right those are what i consider sort of at the edge of the system and so uh they depend on everything else but nobody depends on them so it's a bit easier to to move them around
0: yeah and i would say you know you're Requirements are gonna drive a lot of this too. There may be scenarios where you have another UI team that's not part of the Spring application. You may have a UI that is always changing and you don't want to redeploy your Spring application. So in that case, maybe your your UI is completely separated out into you right. know its own its own application. Um, right. So yeah, really right. a lot of that's gonna drive those kind of decisions. Yeah. Um What is your view on packaging as a library jar so -hmm. we know that i will import jar or already tested so
1: So this is really interesting so if you if you set up your your project so you're generating a jar for your for your domain what's nice is so like i was saying it's like domain doesn't depend on anything else it may depend on some of its own libraries but it's not calling externally out the, the way i i define domain and therefore, yeah. you—it's great. You can package it up, and now you know it's—it's it's this thing that that works. And maybe after a while, it doesn't change very often. Mm-hmm. And so there's sort of these layers where you know the the speed of change is pretty slow in the middle, and then just like you were saying, the UI changes a lot, and then you want to yeah, yeah. make sure that that's easy. Yeah. Um So that so uh, I've I've played around with with this kind of way of having your dependencies and and having each one uh, deployed as a jar. I don't. I wouldn't, I'd be very careful of then saying, okay, now this jar is available to another team that you can depend on because that's not the way I like to split things up. Like, I don't even like, I don't even want to have a separate UI team. I want to have everybody (laughs) doing everything all in in one team, even if it means switching back and forth between react and, and spring. I want everybody on the same team because, uh, what I try to avoid in general in software engineering is handoffs, handoffs. And, and dependencies between teams are the thing that's that really slow us down
0: cool um what about packaging by feature and then create sub packages by yeah. layer yeah so i saw I, this I, a lot in the comments yeah, um, yeah.
1: and that's yeah, that's think, the way i would do it if, if it got big enough
0: and i think i was i was just to kind of i think i touched on this earlier but I, what i was saying is i i don't package by layer and package by feature um but if you want to mix those two then then there're probably some advantages there and i think i haven't gotten into it yet but we mentioned it earlier spring module is a new project at spring just hit 1.0 or hit 1.1 i think mm-hmm. and i think to the to to some point that's kind of what it does it breaks yeah. things down into into modules right yeah. so yeah um, hello guys it, is it worth using spring boot for freelancing jobs ted you can speak to this I think uh
1: if if the people you're freelancing for <clears throat> are gonna maintain it uh and they already know 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 Java then that's then great I mean one of the nice things about spring boot is um, you get a lot out of the box and uh there's a lot of resources like Dan's uh to to learn and so um I I I love it yeah
0: yeah and I would say Java in general there's yeah. uh, you know you want to use a technology that you can hand off to the client that if they need help and it's not you helping them, there's a pool out there. Right. Um, and I think, yeah, Java Java definitely has that pool. So, how about entities? By mm. layer, everything was connected to a lot of other entities. But by feature, do we still allow that coupling?
1: So, entities is, is, a, is one of those words <laughs> that is, what do you mean by entity right. because they they, you know, and to me, and, and this is like POJOs. What does yeah. POJO mean? So right. POJO means two different things. Entities means like five different things. Yeah. Are you yeah. talking about the database entity that's going to be stored by like a JPA or or something like that? Yeah. Um, are you talking about uh, an an entity literally the table in the database, or are right. you talking about an entity from the domain driven design standpoint, which is a mutable object that has behavior that has business meaning and and so right. on. Um, and this was another thing. As I was looking through all these projects, I, I I'm very sad that <laughs> just about every single example where they had entities, those entities had an, almost no behavior. And this yeah. is this is the anti-pattern of of an anemic data model. So all the behavior, if it was anywhere, was either in the controllers, which is bad. You don't want domain mm. behavior there. Um, or is in the service, which is okay, it's slightly better, but still not good because right. you've got these. you what I like to say is look, if you're programming in Java, it's an OO language, do OO. Um, yeah. and the problem is, is is this is the way OO is taught is not very good. Um, and so to me, I, I you know I'm a big domain-driven design fan. And so that means that entities to me mean are are meaningful things in the domain and take the names from what the domain folks talk about, you know, catalog, item, product, tax, shipping charge. All those are entities that have specific meanings that have behavior. Um, And by behavior, I mean, there are switch statements and if statements in there they're making decisions they're doing comparisons and so that's behavior and those should be inside of of those objects then we have to figure out well where do they come from they don't appear out of nowhere right we load them from a database so okay we got to have some way of taking stuff from a database and i'm not a fan of jpa i'm, I'm and i think this is where i agree with with oliver oliver is, is i'm much more of a fan of spring data jdbc where it's like Let's do some of the you know low hanging fruit stuff for me but but I don't need like dirty checking and all this kind of other stuff. But anyway, like, but there needs to be some way of, of, of in order to execute a method of like figure out the shipping charge for this order. And load that stuff into memory. You got to load it into memory. Where you're going to load it from? You're probably a repository of of, of some sort. Um, and so you have to be careful about about talking about those entities. Um, in terms of coupling, again, that's where the you can have your domain entities coupled with your database entities, because they have to be, they're storing the things and you're pulling the data out and you're storing those. And that's, that's generally fine. What you don't want is coupling across features. um, And that's where it can get a little tricky. And this is where, again, this idea of a bounded context of what is product catalog concerned with? Well, it talks about products, but a very different point of view from your order, right? Your order, the product, the word product in your order world may have description and price um, in the product catalog, it may have who we're buying it from, who's our vendor, what's our cost, right? The same product linked by some identifier, um, but they have two different points of view and two different sets right. of information.
0: Right. Um, okay, cool. I, I want to get into hexagonal architect- architecture. I just want to look one more question here. Could you also talk about splitting an application into multiple Maven modules? So. This is this is another thing. So we could split our we could we start we can start to organize our code inside of a single application, and then we can also have an application that's made up of many many modules. In the Maven world, those are Maven modules. Mm -hmm. Where do you kind of draw the lines there, and and like when do you start to even think about that? Um, Because for me, the like the multiple Maven modules is hey I have. Like these four or five different services that I work on, but I need a way to pull them into a single project because I'm working on all these different things in one IDE. Um, I never, you know, when are you just taking a project and going, this is all one code base, but I'm like splitting out this into different Ma- Maven modules?
1: Yeah, I don't have I don't I don't have a lot of good guidance on this. I have seen times Neither. when it is useful. So even though I might not use this domain jar by itself or rely on it in, in some other project, from a, mm. a testability across services, it can be useful to do kinds of contract testing. Like, I'm going to pull your domain and service and, and test it over here. Um, but I don't, I don't I, I, it's it's one of those things that, I, that I've played with and I find yeah. awkward. Um, and so a, a good reason to do it, I don't have many. Um, Not that there aren't any, but.
0: Well, if you are here with us and you're uh, an expert on Maven modules and why I might want to split this out, please reach out, let me know. I'd love to kind of include this in the discussion going forward. Absolutely. Uh, With that, I want to get to kind of some of your stuff we were talking about before. And we've talked about package by layer. We've talked about package by feature. There's a, there, are, there are more ways that we can kind of split our code, and one of them is hexagonal architecture. Can you talk about this at a high level and what this is?
1: Yeah, so like I was saying before, if, if we think about separating, so again, like I come from testing, and, and when there's IO mixed in with other stuff, it makes testing hard. So how can we make testing easier is split the IO out. And so what I liked about hexagonal architecture is it basically said, um there's an inside and an outside there is the stuff that uh is basically um the important thing and you so you want me to share of, your screen yeah I'm, I'm gonna get to a slide and i'll have okay. you share it okay uh, no problem <laughs> So you can you can share it now okay cool so so what i love about hexagonal and and i'll say this just up front because it often gets asked the number of sides is irrelevant Alistair Coburn, who invented hexagonal architecture, sometimes refers to as ports and adapters, just wanted a different shape that had certain aspects of symmetry and so on. But the main thing, and we see this in other, what I call, so I kind of group a whole bunch of architectures under separation of concerns architectures. So yeah. onion and clean and even vertical slice to a certain extent, the, the whole idea is like, let's separate out the, the important stuff, the stuff that our business cares about. Um, cool. I was going to ask really you about else. that
0: because I hear the term yes. onion, vertical yeah. slice, like all yeah. those and things. So those a, are a, all kind of fitting into this model,
1: then. Yeah, and so hexagonal has some specific ways of looking at it about how to interact with things, but they're they're all trying to achieve the same thing, which is comforting because it means oh we're on the right track if three <laughs> different kinds or multiple different kinds of things right. are doing this the same way. And this idea that there's an inside and an outside, and what's inside is really important. And not that what I asked, I mean, it it doesn't do you any good if you've got a wonderful way of calculating the price of orders if you never can talk to anybody about it. Um, It's like you know a brain that that's very powerful that doesn't have a body. So we still need to 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 talk to the outside world. But um, what goes inside is is uh, the application code, and I split this into into two layers um, where there's domain, and then there's the stuff that's coordinating, right? Because you can have a product object. But where did it come from? Well, it has to be retrieved some, some, from somewhere, and if it's changed, we might have to let somebody know. So somebody has to dis- say, "Hey, something changed over here." Or, "Hey, here's here's the price," and that's that's the application uh, layer. But basically, this is the stuff that doesn't do any IO. Um, it's fed all the information it needs, and uh, it's what the business cares about. And so we'll find in here inside the hexagon this is the stuff that we can talk to the business about. We may talk to the business certainly about UIs and, and persistence, but we're probably not gonna go through t- database tables with our business folks. They just wanna know, is it safe somewhere or is it performant or or whatever? And so the rest of the world is is what we need to communicate with. And so there, there's, um, and this goes back to uh, Alistair's original write-up of this, which is there's sort of this input user side which triggers stuff to happen. So inputs and requests come in, and then some kind of, right, they basically are driving the application.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And this is really fascinating from a testing standpoint is that the stuff that's si- sitting inside this hexagon is yeah. just sitting there, it's totally passive. It doesn't know anything about date, times, time passing. by. It knows nothing, because it may not even be loaded into memory. And at some point, somebody kicks something off and says, hey, do something like click on a button to say, I want to buy this. Um, And that's an input may come in as a direct input may come in as a request through a message queue, who knows. Mm -hmm. And so something happens inside it. And maybe as a result, it drives something else. Hey, I now need to send an event to the warehouse to go and ship this order. Or maybe I first need to go and make sure that that their payment went through. And so these are the outputs outputs and events. So what I like about this way of looking at hexagonal um, or just architecture in general is there's this sort of left to right stuff comes in on the left, we do stuff with it. As a result, we may consult and then send information uh, on the right. And um, this sounds
0: this sounds a lot like user stories from my from yeah. day of like working on teams. Like, hey, yeah. uh, I am a user. I am going to fill out a registration form and I want my user information saved uh, on a system somewhere
1: right? right and and there are techniques of of diving in a bit deeper into that which is using uh event storming yep. um to figure out what are all the things that happen right but it's always triggered by something that came into to the the realm of this system Yep. and and that's and that's you know a great way of of modeling this and then you can Pretty much apply those things, those different pieces. Well, here's an incoming thing. Okay, it goes here. Here's an outgoing thing. It it goes there. Uh, and it has a there's a place for everything, right? Going back to like, it's nice to have a place to put stuff, right. uh, even though there might be better ways to do it. This is a great way to start to sort of where do I where do I put stuff?
0: So, is there a way that we could break this down into very simple thing, like from a spring perspective? What is on the inside of the uh, uh, hexagonal architecture? What is on the outside? So um, yeah, just at a very simple case, like, hey, I have this product or, or whatever it is, what what might that look like?
1: Yeah, so here is, um, this is a, a project I've been working on for a couple of years. It's actually in production. Uh, cool. What it what it does, is, uh, it's called Ensembler. What it does is it helps me schedule my mob programming ensembles uh and it was written um, from scratch tdd hexagonal and so oh, what so. we can see is this is this is the package architecture so at a high level um we've got the the main package name it used to be called moborg uh and then we have our application layer and our domain layer and our adapter layer so application and domain are inside the hexagon and then there are adapters on on the outside okay and so, so we can I... look in, we can look inside yeah. go ahead.
0: No, no, I was just going to say, yeah, yeah. L- inside domain, what are we looking at? Yeah, so
1: inside domain, we have our, our the things that, that I care about as as the guy who's you know with my customer hat on. We have ensembles, and we have members, and they have status, and they have state, um, and there are events or basically exceptions that can happen, like they get canceled, uh, and there's details about them that are maybe just value objects, records, and so this is domain stuff, and there's nothing in here that has anything to do with the outside world in terms of it knows nothing about files, it knows nothing about databases. It's just I'm an ensemble. I have a start, you know, a title and a start date time and how long I am and some details about the, the conference. And, and these are value,
0: the, these are basically value objects. Right, right.
1: right. So that's cool. that's the domain. It's very straightforward. And one of the nice things is then this is super easy to test because right. I want to test an ensemble and I just instantiate it and call some methods. I don't need anything else. It 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 does everything it needs to do because I'm testing directly that domain behavior.
0: Yeah, and and sometimes you may not. So sometimes there may be no actual behavior inside of there, right? Maybe there's just getters and setters for this particular value object, but maybe there's a way to calculate some uh, duration, right? Like, uh, so now you can write a test just against that. Yeah, and as you said, it doesn't matter from the outside what that looks like. It's just for this particular thing, I'm I'm testing a duration, right?
1: Right. Um, right, because I can test. Hey, if we schedule it for this, and then time passes. Yeah. Is it over? Right. Right. So if it's scheduled for two hours, and it's now two hours past the starting time, it should be over. If I ask it the question, "Are you over?" Um, in fact, there is a test for that. Uh, <laughs> are you? Are you? So there's a difference between completed and, and sort of is in the past. Um, it can answer that question because it has all the information it, it needs. Mm-hmm. Then there's the question of, well, okay, how does this ensemble get loaded into memory, right? Which ensemble are we talking about? Well, it has an identifier, so we know we can find it somewhere in the outside world. Mm-hmm. And the thing that deals with that and coordinates that, that's that's this application layer. So I always look at the domain as this super dense core that knows nothing about the outside world and then is surrounded by the application layer that helps deal, get, get fetch what it needs from the outside world, respond to things coming in from the outside world, yep. loading up those domain objects and, and calling methods on it. And so we see, you know, generally sort of naming convention ends up being something service, whether that's a good name or not is a separate question. Um, but this is now coordinating with uh, the outside world. So one of the main thing that happens is when we change stuff, right? So here, hey, I'm, I'm providing a new meeting link because I changed the Zoom from one link to another. We generally save it when we're, when we're done. Sometimes though, we will trigger a change. So not only are we gonna save it in the database, but we're gonna send out a notification to the people who can sign up for it. Hey, look, there's a new one that you can register for. Yeah. So that's what basically this is doing, right? So again, it's coordinating with, oh, we have changed it. Let me save it. And now let me send out a notification. And so the yep. application layer coordinates with those different things. It's responsible for all of that. It doesn't know how it's notifying. All right. it knows is a call. So if we look at this, all we know is there's been some ensemble scheduled, and this is all an interface. There's nothing here that says how people are being notified. And so now there's that separation between the idea and concept of notification and the implementation, which turns out to be email. Could be a text message, could be a right. Discord message. Right. Um, but that, once you get down to that level of email and Discord message and text message, now you're talking about I-O. Gotcha. And that stuff sits in the adapter layer.
0: Gotcha. And okay. So,
1: so there's inbound stuff. So the stuff that comes in and for this application is basically only web. Yep. And this is where we'll find our controllers and authentication and all that kind of stuff. Um, controllers and forms and response objects and things like that all that and here you notice that i've got two different things i've got admin and i've got member because there's two different features used in two different ways i'm the admin so i have a bunch of things that i do like i invite people and i set up new ensembles members don't have that they have a different set of things that that they want to do and so so here i've basically here i've divided it by features so i haven't divided it the entire application by feature it's still layered and so, if I were to make this multiple multiple module, if I felt that that were something worthy, then I then you'd see sort of two parallel things with here's member stuff and here's admin stuff. But there's enough in common that uh, that that wasn't necessary. Cool. And so that's why I think you can actually sort of mix and match, um, sort of feature and feature and, and layer, uh, even even in something like this. Yeah. So and then, then, then what in, is the in, output? Yeah. And so then the out is, is all the stuff that, that we want to, to do from the application. It says, oh, I need to notify somebody. Well, that's probably going to be by email. So there's an emailer. and I use SendGrid to, to send my emails. Yeah. Um, there's obviously the, the retrieval and storage of information. So that's by uh, Spring Data JDBC. Um, then there's I have to go and communicate with Zoom to go and create the event for me so I can get the event link. Um, If I didn't want Zoom anymore, because maybe I don't like them for some reason, uh, I could switch this out. And as long as it implements the interface, the video conference scheduler, which is inside the hexagon, I could substitute it. And and I want to point out here that substitutability is useful, but it's not the main reason we do it this way. The main reason we do it this way is testing.
0: Testing, uh, yeah.
1: So I can I can basically test it and I can provide uh, a stub scheduler that always provides the same values, so I don't have to worry about actually communicating with the outside world. Yep.
0: Hey, I got a question here that says, "Is this open source? Wish there were more open source projects like this where we can learn from."
1: Um, yes, and I I wish that too. Um, one <laughs> of the things that that I and when I was searching through GitHub for all these Spring Boot projects. Is it was very frustrating because they were all very similar in not a good way. Yeah. Um, and I can trace back some of that, like why did we how did we get here? Certain tutorials that I would not recommend do it this way without explaining why. And so um I, I wish to. but this this project is open source. Uh if you look for uh Ensembler under under uh Ted Young, you'll you'll find it, but I'm sure we'll be able to provide a link for it. And um as uh, Dan mentioned early on, uh, this project was actually live coded from scratch. So you can watch all the videos of how I created it, and you will not want to sit down at one sitting because there's literally probably over a hundred hours of, of video, and not all of it's <laughs> up. But um, yeah, that's the ensembler. Thank you for the link. Um, but but it's but you can watch me like break down the work and do these things, and you can also see the refactoring, like. There are things I learned as I did this, as we all do, and things didn't work and And I'm currently in the process of of adding a feature and taking away a feature. And so uh, yeah, so it's all open source and um and it's got you know a full suite of tests, of course, because it was done TDD.
0: That's great. Yeah, this is it's one thing to like put up a diagram and say, here's what you need to do. Yes, but being able to look at like a real world project like this kind of yeah. connects those dots for you.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think one of the things that that um I get frustrated by as sort of an educator is not enough examples. And examples are hard. I totally get that. I spend a lot of my time just coming up with good examples. Um mm. but like you said it's like okay, we get the abstract thing, but like really what goes where? Right. Really how do they talk to each other? Right. What does it what does it actually look like? And and we definitely need mm more examples
0: once you move past the hello world where do things actually go in the real world (laughs) right exactly cool so just to kind of like wrap put a bow on this for now i I feel like we could talk about this for a long time you've mentioned um one pro one one of the biggest pros is testability can you think of any other pros off the top of your head or cons to uh, hexagonal architecture, or is it so, really start with testability and? and I think and like interface?
1: you know the, the top three reasons are testability, testability, and it's you can you know where to find stuff. But I think for me it's really yeah well which is really testability right because yeah if, yeah if, if, yeah I mean that's why and and that's why I feel so so strongly about focusing on testability is for me it it drives so many other things it tends tends to doesn't automatically give you good design but it tends to show you where you might have some problems um it also uh you can do things like like i said i i have optionality so i can say i don't want to use zoom anymore for my video schedule or i want to add on another one like maybe God forbid Microsoft Teams or or, <laughs> or Google Meet, um, you know. Or I don't want to send by SendGrid anymore. I want to send with with another vendor, or maybe I want to go directly and send it through through something else. Right. Um, because each one is isolated, I can I can swap those out. Again, not going to do that very often, but it but it does happen. The other thing I want to point out is that if for some reason I didn't want to use Spring anymore. The, the application domain layers do not depend on spring.
0: right. right. And
1: so um, I don't I have, I've experienced this once in my career where we had to swap out the framework. We actually swapped out uh, uh, the drop wizard for Spring Boot. Um, and boy, I wish we had done hexagonal architecture at that right. point because it would have made that so much easier. We ended up having to rewrite large parts right. of it. Um, so yeah, so those are sort of the, the benefits for me. It's mostly testability, but otherwise, it's it's the the ability to separate things.
0: And and like you said, and and I said earlier, like I I really feel happy when I'm writing tests because it does kind of point out some errors in my code. One of the things I am not good at is TDD. And can it's you hard. quickly just kind of talk about TDD? I feel like. I feel like when I do it I'm like very happy that I did it. But when I don't do it it's like well, it's so much of an extra step to do. There's so much more going. I know that's not the case, but I feel like ah, uh, I just want to like write the real code that matters, you know. What what would you say to that?
1: <laughs> so, TDD is 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 hard not because the process itself is hard. Um, yeah. although I will plug my game, uh jitter test yes. TDD game. So if yes. you go to tddga.me, uh, you can buy a copy of the game, and it basically te- it it serves two functions. One is teach you the the process, uh, but also um, it's it's great for discussing. So I have a lot of folks who are who are coaches or coach sort of coach adjacent, and um, one of the things they do is they use the game to uh, provide a a way to talk about it because one of the things that if you're doing any kind of test driven kind of thing um, is there are trade-offs. There are times when maybe I'm not going to TDD this thing. And so understanding when to use it, I think is important. If you, mm-hmm. you know, people say, well, if I'm, I'm prototyping something, it might get in my way. Absolutely. If you're exploring totally that's a great you. point yeah if like, don't, don't use it I, I use it because i'm really good at it i tend to go fast but there's stuff i i mean you know i will happily admit inside ensembler the stuff that does the invites i just wrote because it's such a small thing it basically generates a token writes an entry in the in the database and then it looks it up later and it was just like i didn't know how i wanted to do it and i implemented it and it worked so i shipped it um, I took the risk that it's a, it's a once in a while feature that's used. And if I felt like I needed more, then I could say, now I understand how it works. Now let me TDD it. Um, and so the, the difficulty that, that most folks have in doing TDD is not enough chance to practice it um, because it is definitely a different way of thinking. And it very much ties with thinking in very, very tiny steps, which is also not the way yeah. that we were taught. We were yeah. taught, go implement this feature. You write a whole, slam a whole bunch of code in. And then if you're good, you write some tests afterward. I did this for large parts of my career. Yeah. Um, and then you find stuff that didn't work. You find it hard to test and you f- fix those up. Um, yeah. But really this idea. And so Jepa Hills, who's someone who uh, greatly respect, talks about many more, much smaller steps. It's not the greatest acronym, but it's really important to say, how can I break this stuff down into small steps? And TDD really... Uh, drives much better if you if you have smaller steps. But it's hard to start. Yeah. With an existing code base that may not have great tests. It's just really hard to start. Right. Um, and so what I suggest to people is 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 you have to practice, preferably with someone who already knows how to do it. So this is why I teach TDD, not just in like an hour here you go, it's in a in hours and hours and hours of practice with other yeah. people. Um, with somebody who knows what they're doing because it's it's not a skill that you can pick up in, in an hour or two or even 10. Uh, it really is a mind shift, which I think is the biggest part of it.
0: Yeah, and I'll plug Ted's YouTube channel again because uh, I went through some of your videos on TDD with hexagonal architecture and yeah. just seeing your, your train of thought was really cool. And you mentioned uh, in one of those videos, was it zombie is is Zombies. taking the small steps, right? Yeah. yeah. So that's zero, zero one, one many.
1: Zero one many. Yeah. And so zero one many is the idea of, of, you know, sometimes if you're lucky enough to be starting with with a new class, how do I start testing this thing? Well, it's like right. if you create, if you instantiate the class, what can you ask it? I can say, you know, using one of my famous examples, the wallet example, I can ask it, are you empty? And it can respond true or false. Well, a new one is probably going to be empty. And then you can start talking about, okay, how would I check to see that it has a certain balance? Well, how do I get the balance a certain way? Oh, I can add money to it. Well, how do I mm-hmm. check that works? And I can withdraw money and 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 so on. And so um, so you start with a zero case and then you start with the one. If I add it once, does it work? If I add many times, does it work? Uh, and that can help you get started. Don't always need that, but um, it's a good, good place to start if you sort of really don't is. know where to start.
0: Yep, yep. No, I enjoyed that. Um, Okay, uh, just a couple more questions and we'll try and wrap up here. Why do I see a lot of experienced Java programmers using white theme?
1: Because we're old? I don't know.
0: Um, I could could speak for presentations. Like I use light themes whenever I'm presenting, whether usually if it's like a presentation online or especially in person, light themes kind of translate better. But I am very much a dark theme person when I'm writing my own code.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm a light theme person because I'm old um, for two reasons. <laughs> One is like you know, there was a reason why the original Macintosh back in 1984 was black on white uh, because uh, studies have shown that actually it's easier to read. I have astigmatism, and it turns out dark on on a light theme uh, is much more readable. Right. Um, I find the contrast to be better, and so that's yep. that's why I stick with it.
0: Yeah, and I I will say this like try not to get stuck with whatever everybody else is doing. You don't need a Mac, you don't need dark theme, you don't need all these things that you see on Twitter all the time. Whatever works for you, whatever you're most productive in, that is the right tool for the job. So Yeah. Um, there is a good book on hexagonal arch- architecture mm-hmm. called Get Your Hands Dirty with Clean Architecture. Yes. That's our friend Tom. Um How do Tom you Helmholtz, yes, yeah,
1: yeah. That Uh, came out. uh, The second edition just uh, came out fairly recently. Right,
0: right. I actually own the first edition. I have it back here on the bookshelf, and I have not gone all the way through it. And I, I I, I would say I,
1: I I disagree with some of the stuff, but not because, but mainly because I diverge somewhat from hex, from sort of pure hexagonal, um, in 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 certain ways. Uh, But otherwise, I think it's 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 an okay book. Yeah,
0: cool. Um, just looking through here um to what extent can features depend on each other while trying to achieve low coupling <laughs> i mean that's a that's a loaded question of like how big should my you know components be
1: i mean you know so so there's a presentation that i'm i'm watching uh from uh from Vlad Konev on balancing coupling um and he's got a book coming out on it and coupling yes. isn't a bad thing Right, because if you don't have any coupling, you've got things that can't talk to each other, and you can't get anything done. Right. So you got to have some coupling. Um, and so, to me, if the features are are clearly s- s- delineated, then they call public methods on them, and that should be fine. That should. Right. And if it's not, then you've got a problem in in how you define basically right. the, the API for that that package or for that uh, for that module.
0: Yeah, and I, you know, I, I like using some of those diagram tools that kind of like point this out to you. If like you spit all your code out into a diagram and everything's talking to everything, then it's like, okay.
1: I'm glad yeah. you mentioned that because, <laughs> and it was mentioned earlier, a tool called arcunit. Um, yeah. So you go to arcunit.org. So I use this to basically enforce hexagonal architecture. So I don't accidentally have, oops, I've got my domain depending on importing something from an adapter. That's bad. That's, that's not the way it should work. And so... Uh, you can run that as, as it's part of your continuous integration. It's, it's basically runs under J unit. It's probably too slow in some cases to run all the time, but fast enough that you could run it, do pre-commit and basically it'll tell you, oops, you've got a dependency. That's wrong. You've got an adapter in hexagonal adapters cannot depend on each other. They must remain independent. So you want to enforce that. Um, and so arcing it will, will, will help you do that.
0: Yep. Uh, one more comment here. I don't need a Mac, but I want to be like <laughs> Ted.
1: I agree. I, agree. I, I was a Windows person forever until I joined Apple. Uh when you work at Apple, you you get a Mac. Um yep. and now yeah, I can't hooked. switch away from it because A, <laughs> I, I actually really like got got to like Macs. And also B, my fingers know the shortcuts on a Mac. Yeah,
0: yeah. Once you get hooked into it, it's yeah. it's tough to get away. Cool. Um all right, well if there are no other questions, I think we'll end it there. We went a little long, but like I said, we probably could talk about this forever. We could talk about this. So I'm um, gonna I'm gonna
1: do one more plug if that's okay. No,
0: no, I was gonna I was gonna say before we get into all the kind of closing stuff, please let us know where we can find some more information on everything we talked about today with 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 what you're up to. So
1: yeah, so, my, so you mentioned my YouTube channel. If you go to jitterted.tv, that takes you right to my my, my YouTube channel. I've got a awesome. whole bunch of videos, many from my live coding stream, but some specific hour-long webinars on hexagonal that I think awesome. are, are a really good place to start. Um, and like you said, like you can see me do it, um, but I do have a course that I've been working on for far too long, um, uh, refactoring to hexagonal architecture that basically... Uh, plug the twitch <laughs> yes so I uh, uh, uh so jitterted.live is or jitterted.stream is where i i do my live coding uh i haven't awesome. i have to get back on that and i'll probably probably do that um ted.dev is my website so if you go to ted.dev you'll see articles and other videos and and uh things like that um and you'll find out my Discord community. So I have a Discord community where we we talk about this stuff. And and I learned so much from my community where because mainly sometimes they suggest things and sometimes they yeah. ask a question. It's like, oh wow, I didn't think about that. Let's yeah. go figure that out. Um and so I get some of my material from from the questions that people ask. So it's a it's a free community. Um if you go to TED.dev awesome. Discord, you'll you'll find it.
0: Cool. Well, I appreciate that. And yeah, I think I'll echo that. Like, let's I, again, this is kind of the beginning of the conversation for me, at least with this community. We we did the video last week on kind of layer versus feature. I want to get in and, and get my hands dirty with clean architecture or whatever the title is. <laughs> I want to get my hands dirty with some hexagonal architecture. Yep. And because and, it's, it's enough to, it's, it's something to talk about it, but until you can... Really start to do it and yeah. see the pros and benefits of, of going a different route. Yep. Uh, you won't really know the advantages. Right. So yep. I definitely want to get in there and and create some applications using this approach. And I would love the community to do the same. I, I saw mm-hmm. a lot of feedback on package by layer by versus package by fear feature. Get out there, create some 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 applications using this approach and let us know what you think. Let's keep this conversation going forward. And like I said, we're gonna try and get all, well, not try, we, we've we got Oliver scheduled. We're gonna get Oliver um, the lead for Spring Modulathon. So he'll kind of give us his perspective. I love listening to Oliver's perspective on architecture, yeah. Spring in general, uh, it's gonna be a fun one. So we'll kind of take this another step further and, and see, what he's, see what he has to say. Awesome. Um, so what do you have there, Ted.dev, this is uh, your website, and I know yeah, I yep. you can click on the different tags, and I went on one of the hexagon, hexagonal architecture tags, and yep. then there were all the blog posts. Yeah, so this is
1: the latest talk I gave to to the Philly XP meetup. Um, awesome. This one talks about my ensemble or project structure. Uh And how I, so you may not have noticed, so eagle-eyed viewers will have noticed, podcast listeners will not have noticed, (laughs) but the eagle-eyed viewers will have noticed that there's a coloring in the um, project window. So um, in my diagrams, my hexagonal architecture diagrams, I've colored everything. And these colors match. In fact, I have a YouTube video on how I did the coloring because nice. IntelliJ lets you lets you do that. So domain stuff is in yellow, application is in this peach orange. Um, inbound adapters are in this light blue, and outbound adapters in this sort of lavender purple. And nice. it's really nice because IntelliJ, at least in the old UI, the DUI. Sorry, JetBrains, you've got work to do there, in my opinion. Um, with the old UI, the, the tabs. As you can see, the tab colors uh, oh, yeah. reflect that yep. file color um, and still give you good contrast. So, uh, the coloring stuff, I think, is, is really nice because it, it's almost subconscious or unconscious. And it's like, oh, I'm in the domain. So, I'm, I'm doing this kind of thing.
0: Awesome. Um, cool. All right. And then I see you have, uh, you're, are you at JitterTed on Twitter, Twitch, everywhere? Yep.
1: Yeah, Judah Ted on, on Twitter, Judah Ted at SB SFBA social uh on Mastodon. Cool. Ted M Young on LinkedIn. I'm I'm actually fairly active on LinkedIn these days. Nice. Uh, yep. and yeah.
0: Cool. Well, Ted, I really appreciate you coming on. I I always enjoy our talks. I'm, I'm glad yeah. we got to like meet in person this year and talk yeah. in person. Yeah. That was really great. I that hope was great. we have many more conversations like this. I appreciate it. I hope it. so too. My pleasure. All right, thanks everyone. We'll see you next time. Bye.